0: Well, here we are, the final sermon in our series on First Peter. What a, what a, what a journey it's been. There, there are a lot of, of hard passages in this short book, but the passages, though though they are hard, are also encouraging and, and root us in the foundational truth that God is for us. And as we read in, or as we read in Romans 8:31, "If God is for us, who can be against us? I pray that this series has been an encouragement to you that as you go through harder times, as you suffer, as you are forced to submit to unjust leadership, as you are mocked and ridiculed by the world, that you would not find your worth in your failings or the failings of those around you, but find them in the truths of Scripture. The truth that proclaims that God loves you, that he has provided for you that he called you his own that he will bring justice that he is the great sufferer and that he has laid it all on the line for you because of his great love for you. Today our text covers the first 11 verses of chapter 5. The sermon this morning will only truly cover though the last half of the passage. The, the first chunk of our our verses they deal with it deals with elders. And not elders as in old people, but, but elders as in those who are leading in the church. To the elders among you, the text starts off. Now obviously this is scripture and, and there are wonderful truths and direction for us in this text on how to lead humbly and, and, and how we should be submitting to good leadership. And while I totally affirm all of that, I, I totally support all of that, that's just not where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. So I encourage you to read the beginning of chapter five if you're leading, if you're following a leader, which, I mean, we all fit under one of those two categories. Read this passage. Let it sink in. Let it take root and and nourish you. Just know that we aren't spending less time on it today because it's less important, but because I just felt the Lord pushing me to focus on the latter half of the passage, and sometimes it's just as simple as that. So with that, let us read our text this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 to 11. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares For you, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him, be the power, forever and ever, Amen. Thus ends our reading this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. For your word is truth, God. I pray that you would speak through your word this morning. That you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name, Amen. Now, I'm I'm not typically an anxious person. How are you guys with, with dealing with anxiety? Again, I'm, I'm not typically an anxious person, or, or at least I, I haven't been or I hadn't been. But you know, things change. I still don't consider myself a, an anxious person per se, but there are some things that grow anxiety in me like nothing else. There are things that just feed the beast, and it takes all that I've got to hold on Hold on to my sanity. And there is, to this point in my life, nothing that gives me anxiety like my wife going into labor. This past Thursday, as I'm sure many, if not all of us are aware, Karen went into labor with our youngest son, Noah. She was feeling good, you know, we we had a a scheduled induction and they were going to let her try to have the baby naturally, which is what we had hoped would happen because she just recovers so much better, so much quicker from from natural deliveries as opposed to to C-sections. When we got to the hospital, there was no room at the inn, so so many ladies were having babies that there was no bed for Karen to be put in, and so we were put on a, a waiting list, I guess you could call it, and we were put in the triage area just down the hall, and that would have been totally fine, except that Karen was starting to get some actually pretty good contractions while we were sitting in triage, and it became pretty evident that, that she wasn't going to need to be induced at all. She was going to go straight into labor. My anxiety began to grow. When she hits active labor, she hits active labor hard, and this is not where I wanted to be when that happened. Thankfully, a bed opened up for us, and Karen got settled in. They they put the monitor on the baby, or on her her belly, right at her stomach area, right above where the, the heartbeat was, so you could hear the heartbeat, and it, it comes through speakers in the room, and you can just hear this, this steady rhythm, and, and we settled in to wait. This is all pretty routine. There was no need for my anxiety to build, and yet with every beat of that heart every time there was a bit of difference right every time the cadence change or or was lost every time it slowed down just a hair and and set off the alarms every time he kicked the mic and made it pop every minute that passed my anxiety grew this time Karen had decided to get an epidural she wrestled with the decision a little bit but I, I was happy that she decided to do it I wanted her to be as comfortable as possible, this delivery, but also, but also there was a worry in the back of my head. There was the building of that anxiety in the back of my head that if something went wrong, if something went wrong like it has before, they can go to emergency measures faster if she has the epidural. And so now she has the drugs and and things are going well, the heartbeat is still pumping on the speakers. And I'm still twitching in my chair until the heartbeat isn't going over the speakers anymore and in rushes the nurse and in rushes the doctor and they're they're having Karen roll this way and that and and they're moving the sensor and and they find the heartbeat but it's weak and it's slow they need to get the baby out and and they need to get him out fast and the room erupts with activity. Nurses are, are running in and they're yanking cords and moving things and the the locks are coming off the, the bed's wheels and the things are up and she's she's in action, right? And 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 my wife is wheeled is, is about to be wheeled into the OR or the operating room. And I am sitting there being buffeted by waves of, of doubt and fear and anxiety. My fears are being realized. And I'm brought back to a similar situation where my wife was rushed to the OR in order to save her life and, and the life of one of my children. And I, I mean, we, we believe in a God of miracles, a God that saves, a God that, that loves his people. And, and so I'm trying to force my brain to remember that. I'm, I'm trying to force my brain to trust in that, to, to rest in that. But as I'm watching my wife being rolled through the door as the nurses and doctors seek to save the life of my child, I am also brought back to a room just down the hall from where I stood to a time when we had a child that was not saved. And so though I know that God is a God of love and of mercy, a God with a mighty right hand who is working on behalf of his people, I also know that one of the ways that God works in our lives is to walk with us through our sorrow, through suffering, and through loss. And so now I'm pacing a room, the room Karen was just rolled out of, and I'm pacing and praying that God would spare this child, that God would allow this child to live, that God would let me raise, would let me get to know this son that my wife has been carrying and I've been so excited to meet. I'm powerless in that situation. There's nothing I can do. I'm at the mercy of nature. The bodies that God has made so well that do their intricate and detailed jobs so well. I'm at the mercy of doctors and nurses who are trained professionals, who are very good at the do and all very good at what they do, and ultimately I'm at the mercy of God. And I'm scared. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We read the words of the Apostle Peter this morning. And you know, I want to do that. I want to. I mean, I I know what I'm supposed to do. I know that this is the right thing to do. And and man, to a degree, like I'm totally doing it. Laying all of the stuff that I've got going on in my heart, in my head, at the cross. But there's a piece of my mind that keeps going back to January 2019 when no matter how much I laid my anxiety and fear at the cross it still ended up going badly it still ended up in hurt pain and loss it still ended up breaking me how can I effectively cast my cares upon him when I'm so scared of being broken again can any of you relate to that wanting to have peace, wanting to trust that everything is going to be okay, knowing that that's what you're supposed to do and that you will feel so much better if you are able to actually put everything before the Lord and have peace in how He moves and yet another part of you feeling burned because of the pain you have felt in the past and being so incredibly anxious, worried, terrified even that you are on the path to more heartache and pain. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that there are times that even though i know that i'm part of the herd there are times that i feel like the lost sheep that i feel alone and isolated scared of the dark and i can almost feel the enemy the enemy peter writes about in our verses this morning prowling around like a lion and it feels like he has his his sights on me and I wonder how I can fight them off, how I can avoid being devoured, devoured by my anxiety, my worry, and my fear. In the prologue to his book, Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis writes this. He writes, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. And the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and an unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. There's a danger that we face with the spiritual world. On on one hand, we may try to ignore it, to pretend, act, and live like it doesn't exist, and, and on the other, we may get too fascinated with it. We begin to bestow upon Satan and his minions power and authority that they do not possess. In a different book, the last book in the Chronicles of Narnia series titled The Last Battle, the same author, C.S. Lewis, writes about an ape named Shift and a donkey named Puzzle. The two animals happen upon an old lion skin. Shift sews the skin into a costume for Puzzle to wear. And once the donkey is in the lion suit, they, they tell the other people and animals around that he is Aslan, the, the lion ruler, the king of the land. Now, this is not a very good costume. And you can see the donkey's muzzle through the lion's mouth and his tail sticking out the, the back end. And his hooves are visible where there should be paws. But Lewis writes that if you had never seen a lion before, and if you saw a puzzle in his outfit by the dim light of a, of a fire at night, you could begin to understand why people are taken in by the disguise and then one day a prince who had met the true lion had met the true king Aslan this this prince saw the donkey in the poorly made costume and laughed at it for when you've seen when you have seen the real thing the fake was revealed for what it truly was a pretender now, pastor, you may be asking, why are we talking about fear? <laughs> Weren't we talking about fear, anxiety, and sorrow? And then and suddenly there's a switch to the devil and then this strange story about a donkey in a lion suit. What is going on here? Where, where are you going with this? What is going on is that some of the most effective tools of Satan, the deceiver, are fear, anxiety, and sorrow. Those are the weapons in his arsenal that he uses to try to convince us that God doesn't have the ability to save, that God doesn't have the ability to keep the promises that he has made, that bad things happen because God has stopped loving us, that we've messed up, sinned too many times, and now we are getting what we have earned, that God doesn't love us enough to forgive us, that Jesus' death couldn't pay for all of our sins, and the lies keep coming. And they seem real. The lies feel like they could be real. And when this is where you are, when this is where your mind is going, when you're alone in the delivery room wondering what is happening with your wife and child, when you've lost your job and you don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from and you are facing a mounting pile of bills, when a virus is sweeping the land and there is so much that is unknown and scary about it and you don't know who to trust for information, when your relationships are falling apart and you feel alone and abandoned, when you fall into that sin and you can't imagine a God that could forgive your most recent transgression, remember the words of Peter when he, what he writes here in verse 9. Resist him standing firm in the truth. And as you stand in the faith, as you stand in the truth of Scripture and you examine the lies that are being fed to you, the doubt that is being sown in your mind, as you examine the fear and the anxiety, you begin to see the snout of a donkey poking through the lion's mouth. And you can make out the hooves where the paws should be. And that gray tail of a donkey sticking out the back end. And the lies lose their power as the as we rest in the truth that they are being told by a pretender. Satan is not God. Satan does not have the power that Jesus has. He may want us to think that he does, but he does not. The devil is the real is a real enemy, but he is a defeated enemy. And so as we come under his attacks, let us rest in the truth that the enemy has been confronted and he has been defeated once and for all. Though though the enemy thought he had his victory when Jesus died on the cross, he was ultimately defeated when Jesus rose from the grave. The same act that defeated Satan has given us the victory, has given us salvation. So because of the work of Christ we are forgiven, and because of the faith that we have been given, we have salvation. And yet even though we are saved, we still feel the effect of sin in our life. Even though we are saved, we still struggle against our sin. Even though we are saved, we still fail to do all that God has called us to do. So even though we are saved, we still feel pain. We still experience hurt. We still need healing, mending. We still need to be restored. And that's what we see here in verse 10 of our text this morning. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The Greek word that Peter used in this passage that is translated as restored is elsewhere used for mended. It means to renew. It means to make better, to heal. What a beautiful picture For me, as I stood there watching my wife being rolled out that door and the emotions of my last two visits to labor and delivery come rushing to the surface and the hurt and the pain and the panic and that anxiety rise. What a wonderful promise to me and to you and to all who are in need of healing. First, we are promised that we are not the ones who do the mending. The tense of this word is future active indicative which means it is being done actively to us and something that will be done to us in the future. We don't do it. God is the healer, the mender. He is the restorer. He will fully restore us completely. And the second promise is that one day we'll be fully and completely restored. The things we fear now, one day will never bother us again. The sins that tempt us will someday never tempt us again. One day we will be fully healed. But God doesn't solely wait for that one day, that, that glorious day in heaven, to bring healing. As Karen was wheeled out of that room, my anxiety was at the max. Too many triggers for painful memories. I I walked that room pleading with God to remember me, to act mercifully with me, to remember my wife and my child and to protect them. I know that God's love for me doesn't change even if he were to take this little one as he took Ava. But I begged him to let me raise this one, to save this one, to let me be an earthly dad to this one. I packed up the things that that Karen and I had brought for the hospital stay and moved from the delivery room to the room that she was to recover from her delivery in. I wasn't there very long before one of the nurses came and told me that Karen was doing very well and congratulated me on a healthy baby boy. I walked to the nursery and watched the nurses weigh my youngest little man. I watched them sponge bathe him. I watched them make sure his eyes and ears were working. I watched them take his temperature. I watched them wrap him up and prepare him to be presented to Karen and I. And a little while later, I held him. And as I held him, a part of me started to mend. I did not realize the depth of the scars that I have carried since the death of my daughter until... I felt them begin to heal as I held my newborn son. And although I'm, I'm starting to heal now, though I'm starting to do that, I know and I understand that my scars will not truly be healed until I am made new by my God in heaven. And when I am united with him, when, then what a joy it will be to be fully healed and to be united with my family, including my precious little daughter and praising the Lord our God with her in heaven. Noah is not Ava's replacement. He is not her substitute, but he is a gift from God in the same way that she was. And so feeling God's love through this gift of my son reminds me that even though I didn't get to experience the fullness of the gift that I wanted to, and even though I was hurt and scarred by the process, that Ava was and is a gift as well. And so my healing begins. It begins here in this broken world and will be made complete and perfect in eternity. And so it is for all of us. Though we face trial, struggle, and sufferings here on earth, we have been created by and are loved by a God that gives good gifts, that longs to bless us and encourage us, even in the midst of our hard times. We serve a God that blesses us in spite of our sufferings and even in the midst of them. And even more than that, he does not leave us alone in our suffering, for Christ is with us. Christ, who struggled on our behalf, who struggled and suffered for our sin in our place, that we might have a relationship with God. And though we struggle and suffer, God brings healing. And though that healing may begin here in this life, it will be brought to full and utter completion in the next. What a glorious restoration awaits those who put their trust in the Lord. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give Him your worries and your fears. Give Him your anxiety and your sorrow. He can handle it. He already has. Let us rest in the promises of our Savior. Let us rest in the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us rest in the one who will restore us, the one who gives us strength, And makes us steadfast. Let us rest. In the one who has the power. And the glory. Forever and ever. Amen.